0: Hey Dave. I stopped off at the trap house to get some special K. I asked the wise old plug
1: if he had something new today. He offered me some Tina. I told him that was gay. The plug's a busy man. He's got no time to play.
0: You better cook up. You better get high leave a little room in the spoon and here's why xylazine is coming to town xylazine is coming to town xylazine is coming to town he's feeling a twist he's weighing them twice counterfeit bars at a really good price xylazine is coming to town xylazine is coming to town Xylazine is coming to town. He knows who still has fingers and still has arms today. He knows if you have one of each, you can boost something and pay. Hey, you better cook up. You better get high. Leave a little room and the spoon and here's why. Xylazine is coming to town. Xylazine is coming
2: to town Xylazine is coming to town Christmas, And so this is Dopey Fuck all you cunts So high and so mighty I'm so low and so drunk And fuck Dopey Nation Especially Wick I'm shooting speedballs Suck my limp dick It's a very dopey Christmas What have we here? I just drank a cigarette But in my beer This is Christmas. And what have we done? You went to a meeting and talked about Molly. I did a ton.
3: Learning from each other While we do our thing Na,
4: na, na, gonna have a good time and coming up to music
5: and fun If you're not careful, you might learn something before we talk hey,
2: hey.
6: I could listen to Ray do songs all day. I almost played this Dopey Dopey podcast. But this special Christmas episode of Dopey is brought to you by our very good friends at Oro Recovery, located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu, and somewhere in western Los Angeles, created by Bob Forrest and his friends Evan, Jared, and Bob, on a mission to treat alcoholics and drug addicts by using compassion and connection rather than control. It's a beautiful kind of Christmassy idea. Their staff has decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including SMI. They make sure that your kick is comfortable, which we all want no matter what we're kicking. They have amenities you wouldn't believe. Surfing, equine therapy, sound bath meditation, the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge, and so much more. Everyone that we know that has been to Oro has loved it. Check them out at ororecovery.com, and if you're fucked and willing to go to sunny Southern California to get some help, go to ororecovery.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at The Phoenix. What is The Phoenix? The Phoenix is an amazing nonprofit organization, but it is also an app. It is a way for addicts and alcoholics to engage in life. The Phoenix believes a happy life is the best kind of a sober life. A fun life is the best kind of a sober life, and I happen to agree. They offer classes across the country in arts and crafts, basketball, boxing, camping, CrossFit, so many to say, rock and ice climbing, water sports, strength trainings, weightlifting, powerlifting, yoga, and fun events. We are doing an event. With the Phoenix at the end of January in Manhattan, we will have special guests. I will announce them as they all confirm, but it's going to be fun. If you're anywhere near New York, you have to come check them out at thephoenix.org slash Dopey podcast. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Your Sober Buddy. Sober Buddy is a recovery app. It is also a platform where you can connect with alcoholics and addicts online. They also have Zooms every day. So check out Sober Buddy in the App Store and the Google Play Store. I host a Wednesday morning Zoom at 9 in the morning Eastern time. It is unbelievable, inspiring stuff. Uh, our, Our crew at the meeting is just incredible. It makes Zoom feel better than I ever thought Zoom could feel. It's cheap, like 12 bucks a month. Check them out at the App Store or the Google Play Store or at soberbuddy.com. Before we get to our incredibly special Christmas episode of Dopey, I want to tell you about a great recovery podcast called Recovery in the Middle Ages, a podcast about two middle aged suburban dads in their pursuit of love, life, and recovery. So if you are a middle-aged suburban dad or really want to think like one, check them out at recoveryinthemiddleages.com or look them up where you get your podcasts. It's called Recovery in the Middle Ages. It's Nat and Mike. So I hope everybody's relaxed and snug in their beds and ready for a the holiday special of the year, a very, very dopey Christmas. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is Dave. I hope you guys are well. Welcome to the the Christmas episode of Dopey, the 2023 Christmas spectacular it's beginning to look a lot like dopey and first off we got to thank the great ray brown for the christmas music at the front so let's hear it for ray yay ray second before i I forget we need to give a major congratulatory shout out to the one and only english dope james glennie for those who don't know James Glennie. James is celebrating six years actually today. He's a long-time dope. He originated the phrase, a lot of dopey phrases that I never use. Like instead of OG dope, he wants me to call people OD dopes because they're original dopes. He's come up with a—he's did so many great designs for dopey. So I'm in crazy gratitude to James. He did the Knicks dopey. He did just so many— Dopey designs. He did a Goodyear blimp. Dopey. He did the the Dodgers. Dopey. The New York Junkies. So many good things. He uh, he helped brand DopeyCon last year and the year before, and he is, has his heart set on this year's DopeyCon being branded N Y DopeyCon N Y V. That's James Glenny's vision. He started a big campaign. So if you can talk to James Glenny, wish him a happy. And healthy sixth, and a happy Christmas to James Glennie and all the English dopes and all the dopes everywhere. We want to wish you all a very happy and a healthy holiday. There's so much stuff to get to. Do you guys like Dopicon NYV? Or you see, I'm into Dopicon five with like a big handprint or a big number five in a circle. What do, and James is certain that it should be NYV. What's your guys' take? Send in an email or a voicemail to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. And we got some notes. I would love to read some notes that we got. Got this one. Hey, Dave, or whoever is running this account by now. Been a listener for over a year and been in recovery for five. My parents are traditional Southern Baptists. They never did drugs or had any afflictions. I know it's short notice, but for Christmas, late Christmas, I really wanted to get them a book or digital book. That truly explains how an addict's mind work and works and what it takes to make it through that. My dad thought I could get on methadone for a few months and be cured, for example. My mother was diagnosed with breast cancer this year, and I didn't want to lose her without her understanding why I did what I did for so long. And from a scientific medical perspective, but still dopey kind of books, but none to give them nightmares— Did opiates H, fent from 13 to 26 and weaning off methadone and living a decent life but can only get better from here? Any response or help would be greatly appreciated. I was thinking about what books to recommend, but when I think about heroin books, the books that come to mind are William Burroughs' Junkie, Jerry Stahl's Permanent Midnight. Those are like the classic heroin books. Erin Carr has a lot of heroin in her book, Strung Out. What books do you recommend? Great heroin book is Anthony Kiedis' book, Scar Tissue. Great junkie recovery book is Nick Sheff's Tweak, but it's not a heroin book. Of course, Amy Dopey Dresner's My Fair Junkie, top of the list. Suki Jones, See Swallow Me, classic recovery book. Hannah Sward, Stripped. What's your guy's recommendation? What's your favorite junkie book? I can't stand the phrase, quit lit. But if you can think of a good one, let me know. Now I want to say that this episode of Dopey is brought to you by our good friends at Mountainside. Doing an ad for Mountainside is like ridiculously gratifying to me because I went to Mountainside and I got better at Mountainside. And I read I read Scar Tissue at Mountainside. I read Tweak at Mountainside. I read Eminem's book. I think Detox it was at Mountainside. And Mountainside is an amazing place to go to get well. It's in Canaan, Connecticut. They offer a full continuum of care, which includes detox, residential, long-term residential, outpatient, and recovery coaching. They have amazing holistic wellness activities. I did yoga there. I got acupuncture there. I walked the labyrinth there. I participated in a somewhat spiritually transformative sweat lodge. But most importantly, I met Chris there, and I don't think that could happen just anywhere. So if you're looking for a place to go, check out mountainside.com slash dopey. And you could see some of the stuff that Chris and I did together or call them. They have a hotline. Call them at 1-888-833-4922. Now it's time to get into some dopey Christmas stuff. I got this voicemail in an email from this guy called Species. He's struggling. Check him out.
7: Hey there, dopey listeners. My name is Species. And um, I just found this uh, podcast a few days ago. Um, I see it has a long history. Um, the two gentlemen, one of whom is no longer with us, and uh, Dave, I believe you reached back out to me via my first voice recording. I left you at like 5:45 in the morning, and uh, I thought that was really cool. And he uh, said, "Follow up with a fucked up Christmas story." Well, um, I got lots of, uh, lots of, lots of fucked up stories for you guys. I almost wrote a book like I've actually kind of been going through my memory my Swiss cheese memory holes and um, I've got so many stories you know from taking ounces of mushrooms to sheets of acids to fighting with cops on tasers to accidentally going into police fucking departments with fucking drugs in my pockets to fucking trying to commit suicide to uh, my friend's mom dying like while we were on acid and her ghost coming and crazy shit you know but uh in in the spirit of christmas <laughs> i'm 45 and uh this was 2 years ago 43 just had gotten remarried in my second marriage which is uh, hanging by a thread at the, right the moment and um i'd moved to north carolina so i'm I married a latin woman she's got a huge family just one daughter but like lots of brothers and sisters and they all live local um so for this particular christmas i flew my sister out from denver to meet my wife's daughter and, and, and i brought flew my parents in from michigan they all stayed at my house and then we had a big christmas party um for the whole entire her side of the family at our house so it was like a big deal of course i'm You know, I I do it all, all the time, you know, whether I'm on speed or I'm taking Xanax to sleep or fucking, I'm taking mushrooms every two weeks, exactly on the day. L, you know, well this, during this little run, I was on doing a lot of Molly, you know, MDMA. I've been snorting it for days. Um, Well, here it is, Christmas morning, all the families together. I've been high the whole fucking time. You know, everyone probably knows. You know, I got to always mix uppers and downers to just hit that special sweet spot. And fucking, I, I get the bright idea Christmas morning. Mind you, we're all taking family pictures. Everyone has the same pajamas and everything that everyone's got. them. And, and like, huge pictures and stuff. Well, I decided that morning, two years ago, <laughs> to shoot up Somali. I like, went, well, you know what, fuck it. Let's just uh, take one of these little needles here. Because I've been bang. I like to bang ketamine uh, intramuscularly all the time and uh like, let's do a little uh, intravenous uh, molly shot here well and i've been doing it for days i've been sniffing it for days fuck me if it didn't put me into aphylactic shock and my fucking face swelled out like the joker my lips were like as big as bananas fucking <laughs> i looked absolutely fucked up crazy like, everyone was like, what the hell happened? And so I, I hate to act like, what's some kind of fucking food allergy and shit? But, <laughs> no, there's this family picture with this whole family got everyone in pajamas, and, like, I'm in it, and I'm, like, and, and my face is just, like, ballooned out fucking, and I look absolutely horrible. So that's one for Christmas, you know? And, uh, again, I just want to thank uh, thank you for the show. Again, it's, it, 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 it's, it's lit a flame in me, and, um, you know, I was sober at one time for six years. And uh, I've been back out for the last seven, and I've escaped the grip of death and jail so many times. Um, just in those last seven years, it's just—it's just, it's amazing. I'm still here breathing, and um, I'd love to share some of these stories with the listeners if you guys are interested. Uh, so hey, thanks for my spot if I get it, and if not, no worries. Um, happy holidays to everybody, and fucking man, good luck.
6: Species is so new to the Dopey Nation. He doesn't know to say, stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris at the end of his voicemail. But I love the shooting Molly voicemail, Species. You have a spot in Dopey Nation. Dopey Nation does Zooms every day. They do like 25 Zooms a week. There's Dopey Patreon. There's so many things you could do. You are welcome. Check them out. at uh, There's Dopey Nation on Facebook. Then there's the Dopey Podcast group on Facebook. Then there's all the bullshit social media, which you might or might not be on. But get connected, species. And then maybe you could stop calling yourself species. I got so many um, greetings and voicemails from dopes. I'm just going to start playing some. Here we go.
4: Have a very
8: dopey Christmas. It's the podcast of the year. So listen up, join Patreon, and of drugs, please steer clear. Have a very dopey Christmas, and in case you didn't know, stay strong, dopey nation, and fucking toodles for Chris.
3: Happy holidays, Dave. Thanks for everything that you do and keeping this thing going. And to all the dopes in dope land, I love y'all. This is Trevor from California. Stay safe, dopey nation, fucking toodles for Chris. Whatevs.
2: Hey, this is Hank Azaria wishing everybody in Doping
9: Nation uh, uh, happy holidays. Uh, Mo don't like uh, Christmas, Moe and bartender. Chief Wiggum loves it though, mostly because there's lots of uh, baked goods.
2: And uh, comic book guy um, is neutral about uh, Christmas, but very um, pro-New Year's. Uh, worst um, holiday greeting ever.
8: I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Dopey New Year. What up, Dopey Nation? This is Avisa wishing you a Merry Christmas. And to my Iranian folks, Shabiyal Mubarak. I wonder if there are any Iranian dopes out there. Anyways, uh, love you all and toodles for Hot Wheels.
6: Man, are there any Iranian Iranian dopes who understood Avisa's message? First, second, toodles for Hot Wheels. hits hard. That hits hard, fucking hits hard, Lost Brian this year. It's easy to forget how quickly we move on with our lives, but we lose people all the time, especially in a community like this. And then I also have just crazy gratitude that Hank Azaria is contributing. Like if you ever told me that Mo the bartender and Chief Wiggum and comic book guy were going to do dopey Christmas messages, I would, I don't know, I don't think I ever would have believed that. It's very, very satisfying for me. I hope it's satisfying for you guys. If it is satisfying for you guys, leave an email or a voicemail at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. The best shit are the stories. I got a note from a guy named Danny. He wrote, Y'all are great. This shit fucking punches me in the stomach, too. Y'all are great. Just found the pod about a week ago, and I'm like 25 episodes deep. LOL. Keep up the amazing work, you guys. Uh, You guys appeal to a large crowd. And that's, of course, him not knowing that Chris is dead. So he's got a, you know, he's got crazy pain in his future, but it's, it's cool to know that Chris is alive in that guy's life. Oh, I got this other note that I love. It's about the Michael Dowd episode. He says, hey, Dave, you know I've been a fan since This American Life and a Patreon member forever. Thank you. So it's hard to say this, but having a corrupt New York City cop on Dopey is incredibly upsetting to someone whose junkie days span the 90s. For me, it was in the 9th precinct. I think we shared a time and place, Dave, so you understand. Triggered. And he's such a fucking racist. Uh, All cops are bastard? Not always, but sometimes. Here, yes. Love what you do. Keep up the amazing show and stay strong. Dopey Nation. Fucking toodles for Chris. CJ. And uh, I think CJ didn't listen to the episode. I think he just watched Michael Dowd on YouTube. And there's way more racist stuff in the Michael Dowd YouTube edition. So if you're looking to see some racist cop stuff, check out Michael Dowd on YouTube. And subscribe to the the YouTube channel. And subscribe to Dopey. And pass it on to your friends. If you have some fucked up junkie in your life who you think could benefit from Dopey, tell them about the show. If you have a mom in your life who wants to understand their fucked-up junkie kids, tell them about the show. Tell people about the show. Pass along the dopey for Christmas. It is a good time of year. And I am incredibly grateful for the good folks at Diamond Recovery. Diamond Recovery is in helping us with the show. They are a great supporter of the show. If you are looking for a place to go, you should consider Diamond Recovery. These amazing folks just kicked off last year, and they are on a mission to help out as many friends as possible who are dealing with addiction. They've got three amazing residential treatment centers up and running already. And get this, they set up a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week hotline. So if you know someone that needs help or a friendly ear, they've got your back. Give them a call at 844-909-2525. Again, thank you so much to Adam and all the good folks at Diamond. Check them out at diamondrecovery.com or call the hotline. Again, it's 844-909-2525. So in the great tradition of dopey Christmas episodes, you will hear from a lot of dopes wishing happy holidays. You will hear some fucked up Christmas stories and we will check in with dopes of Christmas pasts. People like the great Matthew Wiedermeyer Carroll, who's been around basically since we started, and Dove Henry, who was a friend of hobo hippie Andrew, and me and Ray Brown walking down the street talking some, some dirty, dopey stuff. So that's what's coming up on this episode, but also we got some Christmas stories, and this one is from... Sarah, who's also known as Reclaim Purpose on Instagram, who also is a hippie and a uh, Long Island fucko. So, and she also made, she took a dopey zip-up hoodie that we sell, like the classic train hoodie with the dopey on the front, and she modified it. She, like, hippied it out. It's super cool. We posted it on Instagram. Check her shit out at Reclaim Purpose. She is an artist and an activist and an O. O D, O G dope, old timey dope. Here's Sarah. This
9: is Sarah Jacks. I'm giving you a call while I'm driving from um Michigan to Long Island. So I guess I am a Long Island fucko. Um I you know, I lived on Long Island from when I was ten to twenty and then in my twenties I lived in Las Vegas. So I've got a lot of uh filthy stories from that era in my life from debauchery, Um, but this is another dopey story from when I was a kid around Christmas time i I mean this really sticks out for me and this is before I started really getting addicted um you know cigarettes um my parents found my cigarettes and then I freaked out and I threatened to rip down the Christmas tree and I was holding on the tree and like, drag about to drag it down and everyone's screaming and then they started laughing at me and uh, and I stopped and ran away. That's what I always did. I'm a locations person. I've moved like 20 times, to- 19 times in the past 20 years. Um, I just want to say Merry Christmas to the Dopey Nation. Uh, Happy New Year. And doodles for Chris.
6: Thank you, Sarah. And uh, check out Reclaim Purpose on Instagram or Facebook. If you're a hippie, she makes really, really cool hippie stuff. If you're not a hippie, check it out. She's been coming to our Wednesday morning Zoom. And if you want to come to our Wednesday morning Zoom, you can either join Sober Buddy or you can sign up for Dopey Patreon at patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. So we haven't had Matthew Wiedemeyer Carroll on the show in a while. And we're going to talk about why a little bit when he's on. But let's just say the last time we I dealt with him, it was at a Sober Buddy Zoom on a Wednesday morning And it was about this time last year, and I said, what are you going to do for New Year's? And he said, I'm going to get wasted. And Matthew has had a hell of a year, and we are going to hear about it. Matthew is a beloved member of our community. He invented, of course, Waiting for Tonight. We didn't talk about that. Next time he comes on, we'll talk about the beginning of Waiting for Tonight. I'm so happy Matthew is back in the fold. But before we hear from Matthew, I need to say that this episode of Dopey is also sponsored by Discover Recovery. Discover Recovery might just be the best treatment available in the Pacific Northwest. They have two locations for detox and residential treatment in Washington State. They have an amazing medical team on site seven days a week, and they are striving to provide the best treatment possible in a region of junkies that's been historically underserved. Their team has master's level therapists, substance abuse disorder counselors, psychiatric service, much more than anything else in that area. The accommodations are described as luxury. And to quote the great Chris Paulson, I'm not great at selling. We operate with integrity. You personally know one of the co-founders. We are trying to do right by those we serve, and we have a proven track record. Check them out. At discoverrecovery.com. If you're fucked and you're in the Pacific Northwest, go to Discover Recovery. Listen to Chris Paulson. All right, here's Matt. Yeah. What's up? How you been? Oh, uh, better. You've been better or you are better?
10: Uh, Both.
6: <laughs> all right, I'm just going to record. Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine. Do you care or do you not care? I don't care. Now You're uh, edit it. I'm not gonna edit it. I'm just I'm just gonna let it rip. <laughs> um, yeah, let it rip. yeah, I'm gonna uncut. let it rip on um, the uncut the uncut Matthew Wiedermeyer Carroll. And Matthew has been on the show many times. Where are you at? What the fuck is going on with you?
10: Dude, I just go to meetings, man.
6: when's the last time you think you listened to the show
10: oh when i first got sober i listened to an episode and i can't remember what episode it was
6: okay so you mean when you first got sober this time
10: yes yes
6: and let's let's go back in time shall we when did you come to the to the world of dopey
10: oh man well it was when chris was still alive um i was uh working at a uh, at a lawn mowing business and i just started listening to podcasts and i was really into one in particular and then i just kind of searched methamphetamine and found an npr miniseries and then you guys popped up i listened to the miniseries first then i listened to you guys i think that was 2015.
6: yeah right when we we just started
10: Yep, and the episode I think the first episode I listened to was jail stories, either part one or two. I can't remember. Um, And I related to that quite a bit because I was about to go to jail (laughs) for the thousandth time. And then I got to prison and I wrote, uh, what was it? One of my friends, she reached out to you guys and got Chris's address. And I wrote Chris's, I wrote Chris and he put his, or put my letter on the Instagram page.
6: Yeah. And then you got out and you you listened when he was alive, right?
10: Yep. So I got out and basically I started from the beginning just to hear mention of my letter and that never got mentioned. But <laughs> in the uh, process, I became hopelessly addicted to
6: dopey. Right. And And did you get sober at that point?
10: I was clean, but I was still drinking.
6: Were you drinking the Actually, whole time? I don't, think, I don't think you were drinking. That.
10: Oh, oh, yeah, I was drinking, but not as much as I was. Um, I drank a DopeyCon.
6: I didn't know that. There's so many highlights of the Matthew Wiedermeyer carol story for me. Um, maybe it was when you bought like $700 in merch at the first DopeyCon. That was a good highlight. Yeah, uh, I just watched a video <laughs> and saw you singing Good So Bad. Uh, I, I, I don't know where the video came from. Uh, in oh, it's no, it's very, not your video, <laughs> not the video where you oh, <laughs> No, but you look, you look all emotional, right? And you had such an emotional experience at the first DopeyCon.
10: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I didn't get drunk at DopeyCon. I, uh, we had a few beers in the apart or not in the apartment, but in the hotel room. And I was super paranoid about it because, uh, I didn't want anybody to know that I was drinking. So Justin bought like a six pack and we, we had a few, but that was it. Like, and I don't know, I was just so protective of my drinking. that I didn't want anybody to know.
6: Yeah. It's interesting. And, uh, Cause I didn't know about it. You would even ask me yeah. to sponsor you and you never right. mentioned that and you I, were drinking. <laughs> no, never, never. <laughs>
10: See, And what I really, I really wanted to go to a bar in Manhattan. But when we were you know, because we were hanging out with Austin and Caitlin and rocks. And it's like, I don't think any of them people would have cared if we went to a bar or if we were drinking. But I don't know, I was just so paranoid about it. I didn't want anybody to know I had like, I guess I had like an image to upkeep. And uh, actually, one of the big motivators for not drinking in New York City was when we got to the hotel, Justin and I had a beer at the hotel bar, and they were fucking $18 a piece. For a fucking twelve ounce bottle of Coors Light, we're like fuck that shit.
6: Right. Well, I mean, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of your of your cheapness on some things and ex- exorbitance <laughs> on another. Uh, but oh, right. You, you had been a horrible meth smoker and shooter, right?
10: Yes, hardcore junkie.
6: Hardcore, and and so you had given all that up. Drank occasionally, kept it totally secret. Never, you know, you know, you were an upright. And you called it the, the first wave of dopey Nation. You were a hardcore member of the first wave of dopey Nation, but you never told anyone you drank casually.
10: Right. Well, no, I kept it secret and I kept it out of my Facebook. I kept pictures yeah, alcohol was never in any pictures on my Facebook. Or I tried really hard not to, but then I just stopped caring after a while.
6: So break it down. Like I I mean, then my favorite moment in the history of you and the show is when I invited you to go to the sober buddy zoom <laughs> and you went <laughs> to the zoom drinking at work. <laughs> that was, yeah. I think that out of every moment that was, I mean, that's how stupid and fucked up I am that that was my favorite moment that you were drinking at work on the sober buddy. Well, zoom. This I, is the best. I
10: wasn't drink I wasn't drinking at work, but it, it was, uh, you asked. It was right before New Year's, I think, last year. Yeah, I think and so. you asked what our what our <laughs> yeah, plans yeah, 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 were to, yeah, yeah. to stay sober. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I am not going to stay sober.
6: Right, I'm drinking. Maybe you weren't drinking during the yeah. Zoom, but you were so ready to drink as soon as the Zoom was over that it felt that way. Right. And um, so what the what happened? You had. I know you had a baby this year. Tell us what happened. So.
10: The drinking progressed, I guess, when I got out, and I was clean, like all of the friends of mine, like very dear friends of mine that had turned their backs on me when I had, you know, when I was using, you know, they all gave me a second chance. And that was that meant that meant the world to me. Um, But, you know, they all drank. So I'm like, well, there's nothing wrong with alcohol. You know, I am i wouldn't mind drinking a little bit and they all drank. So my life as it seemed was back to normal, right? you know, before using. But, you know, before too long, I was drinking every single day. I was, every day after work, I'd stop and get a silo and drink that on the way home. And then, you know, I always had beer in the fridge and drinking, 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 drinking every damn day. And uh, towards the end, uh, you know, I would, I would probably, I would drink every, you know, sun up to sun down on the weekends. I didn't have to work.
6: Hold on. What's a silo?
10: But a silo is a 24 ounce can of beer. We can get them at the gas stations here.
6: Is it called a silo? Cause it kind of looks like a silo on the farm.
10: Yeah. The, and then the, the 16 ounce cans we call tall boys or pounders,
6: tall boy they the
10: say silos that. are. Yeah, the tall boys are the 16-ouncers is what we call them. We call them tall boys or pounders, and then the silos are the 24 ounces. I don't know if that's an Iowa thing or not, but that's just what we call
6: them. Yeah, Dopey Nation, If you call, what what do you call uh, a, a 24-ouncer? Is it a silo where you live? T- let us know. Send in an email or a voicemail to Podcast at gmail.com. Now, Matt, tell me what happened. Isn't it nice to be back so, on the show? You're going to listen to this episode. That's always fun when you listen.
10: I definitely will listen to this
6: episode. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs> well,
10: been, you know, I always see if there's a guest come on, a guest that comes on that I like, or if your dad's ever on, I always like. To My dad's out. always
6: on. You don't give me a break. Yeah, and, I, anyway, back yeah. to the story. I want to hear the story.
10: So, right before Abel was born, I decided I needed to quit drinking, at least you know until she goes into labor. Because that's the last thing I wanted to be was fucking drunk when I to take her to the hospital. Right. So I did I did uh, not drink for about two weeks, and I was very uncomfortable. And then How Abel un- was born and up, then— Hold up,
6: hold up, hold up. How uncomfortable were those two weeks?
10: Well, I was restless, irritable, and discontent, like it- times 100.
6: And in the years that you just drank and didn't shoot uh, meth, were you ever like, I want to get some meth. I want to get something else. I want to get some Coke. I want to get something. Oh yes,
10: absolutely. I mean, it was, it was constant and I caved to it eventually, but I mean, I always, I always picked myself back up. I never, you know, let it get the best of me. But then I started thinking that I could handle cocaine because this time of year, some, you know, really good shit comes into town. Uh, I was hoarding it for a while and, I had like five grams stashed away for the longest time and uh, just doing it every once in a while. Cause I always like, I like to be social when I do Coke. Like it's weird. Like I like to do it, do Coke with a lot of people and have a lot of fun. And I like to bring the most to the party. I want everybody to partake and have a good time. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not the kind of person that keeps it to myself or, you know, does it in solitude or whatever but so eventually she found out that I had it and then she kicked me out of the house um and <laughs> you know I want I guess I'm going to go do a bunch of coke now but there's really nowhere else to fucking do coke at that time and I except for at the trap house and that's where I went and I ended up shooting the coke I ended up shooting the dope shooting some dope and I went on like a 2-day run but I fucking Justin stepped in and was like, "Dude, you need to get your ass to my house right now." And uh I did.
6: And Hold I up, stayed though. there
10: for a few I I need up?
6: I need to know what the Iowa trap house is about. Tell me everything.
10: That, <laughs> the Iowa well, they're all on, in the hood of Waterloo, all the dope houses. Like what what do you want to know about them? I have ne- they're, I've I've never been disgusting. to a trap
6: I've never been to a trap house anywhere, especially not <laughs> Iowa. So I just want to hear everything there is to know about it.
10: Well, your your occasional meth trap house is pretty much like a a dumpster diver's dream. There's shit everywhere, like like all types of cords and wires that you'll never use, and boxes (laughs) and boxes of useless shit, dude. Like you can't even walk. It's like a hoarder's house. You can't even walk to the couch. You know what I mean? It's 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 not comfortable and it's not fun. I like to be I like to space myself out when I use, but. Not in these houses.
6: How many people are in there?
10: Uh, sometimes 20, sometimes two. It just depends. They're, they're constantly coming and going all night long.
6: So you decide, so your, your wife kicks you out, and you're like, fuck it, I need to get high. And when's the last time you had been to an Iowa trap house or this Iowa trap house? And does it have a special, uh, a special name? Not really. Okay. You don't want Fucking to say, you don't want to say. You don't want to say what you call this trap was... Ice Castle. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, so when's the last time you had been to There's Ice Castle?
10: Oh, I don't know. Probably I don't know months ago, I'm not sure.
6: You don't want to tell me.
10: Nope, I don't. But I'm so it fifth. It, it, but admits... it wasn't just that place. I've been to a couple other places too
6: how much meth and Coke were you doing over the years since after you had gotten, you know, clean and drinking? Like how often was there meth and Coke?
10: I probably got high on meth probably four times. Okay. And then we were doing, and then we were all doing like a lot of Coke, you know, every, this time of the year last year. But, you know, when the baby come along that, that, uh, That changes shit, you know, and it it should change stuff. But, you know, my disease, it fucking. It causes me to do terrible things when I'm under the influence. So
6: all of us, that's the whole thing. Yeah, And I need to say this also, Matt, you are even if you don't listen. What are you you opening a beer right now? What are you doing?
10: doing? Yeah. (laughs) Cracking a silo at work. Cracking a silo.
6: (laughs) You are no, cherished, a dude. You are a cherished member of our community, and I miss I miss hearing your sweet voice. Just so you know, I just knew I had to steer clear because I yeah. knew you weren't doing it. You know what I mean? And you were done. You were no, basically yeah. done with dopey, except you want the waiting for tonight juice. So you kept doing that. You gotta have it. Yeah. gotta have it. But it's good that you did because basically you kept a foot in a sober world, which I know you knew also.
10: Yeah.
6: So to break it down, yeah. you go to so, Ice Castle and, and tell us what happened.
10: You're, you're going to have you're going to have to bleep that name, by the way.
6: Okay. Well, don't say it
10: again. Then. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You're going to put it in, but whatever. It don't matter. So then Justin intervenes and, you know, says, hey, you got to get old Because I was planning on going back home anyway, but, you know, I didn't want to fucking, I was dreading that. How you know, did, I got to go home how eventually. Did, how did
6: Justin intervene, though? Like, how did so, he know?
10: My girl and my mom got a hold of him and told her, told her, uh, told him that I was missing.
3: Mm.
10: You know, and then everybody knows what that means when that happens. And he reached out and he's like, dude, you got to get over here. Like, and I was literally leaving. I was getting in my truck, getting ready to go home. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, I don't want to go home right now. And, you know, this is a crutch or whatever. So I go to Justin's and fucking we talk it out, you know, whatever. I ended up staying there the night. And then I go, I took the, I took a second day off work and I go home. And that was a fucking shit show because she's like, you need to get the fuck out of here. I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, you go sleep it off. Go back to justice. I don't care where you go. So I'm like, fuck, I got a decision to make here. I literally just dropped a fucking grandma dope off at the fucking trap house. And it's probably still there. Like, what do I have to lose?
6: Hold up. When when you drop a gram of dope at the trap house, what does that mean? Who do you give it to, and how do you leave it there?
10: I I gave it to I gave it to uh, whoever lives there because you know I don't want it. I don't want to take it home.
6: Right, but are you? But but when you you, when you yeah, but you're not thinking it's yours still. You've given it to somebody.
10: Right, but I'm sure there's still going to be some left over and right. I can easily partake in the remains. Right, right, right. So uh, uh, fucking, I'm getting in my truck, driving down the gravel road, and I'm like, fuck, I can either turn left or I can turn right. And and I'm just like, you know what, I should fucking turn left because fuck her for kicking me out in this vulnerable state. You know, and, and but I'm like, no, dude, you gotta go right. You gotta go right. You gotta go, right. you gotta go to Justin's. So I did. And it was a fucking hard decision to make. But I I knew I dude, I knew that if I would have went left, bro, I would have fucking I would have lost everything. There would probably been no coming back from that.
6: The baby had been born already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, listen, man, you've you've done the wrong thing so many times, you know exactly what it looks like. Right. You know, (laughs) that's why you went. That's why you went the right way.
10: Right. Yeah. And you know, it's like crazy ever since my son was born, my fucking addictive voice has been screaming, let's go party, blah, blah, blah. You ran off on the other two kids. Why, how is this kid different? You know, and I got to fucking fight that shit every day. Yeah. And you know, alcohol and fucking drugs don't help that at all.
6: Right. So like, tell us where you're at now. This is our big Christmas episode. Uh, It'll be hard to bleep the name because this is tonight's episode. This is going in yeah, tonight. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. Good. So tell us what the fuck is going on now. You got you just got 60 days, right? 60 days?
10: You come uh, 60 days next Friday, uh 60 days a week from today, actually. So we're going to say
6: 53 days, but still. get You get, you get the good applause. Hold on. You hear the applause or no? I hear it. I hear it. So 53 solid fucking days. Uh, are you returning to Dopey Nation? Are you going to meetings in person? Are you going to Zoom? What are you doing?
10: I'm going to in-person meetings at AA like fucking all the goddamn time. You hated them
6: though back in the day.
10: I, I, I hate them now. Right. But I gotta go. Right. I mean, I don't. I gotta. I gotta go until I want to go to meetings.
6: That's the greatest cliche of all time. That's the best one. I mean, it's true though. It worked but for I, me. I, I, I hated it too. I hated I, it, and now <laughs> I like it. I like it now.
10: I can't. I guess I can't honestly say that I hate them. What I hate is all the fucking gas I'm burning going to these meetings because I live out of town, you know. So it's like a half hour fucking drive to get into town, and there's only one meeting a week in my in the town that I live in. It's like eight o'clock at night. Who the fuck wants to go there that late? I got to get up at four in the morning.
11: You could, but stay- then everybody's like, well, "Well, well, you
3: you stayed up all night drinking, so you go to a meeting
6: late, ah,
10: oh, fuck off! I already go to four meetings a week."
6: Well, listen, you can you can start a meeting in the morning. You should start a meeting in the morning. So how do you feel in general? I feel good. I mean,
10: I was angry for a long time because, you know, I, after I went to Justin's, I went to my mom's and then they fucking did an intervention on me. And I wasn't expecting that, you know, my girl walks in with uh with, you know, her sister and my uh, my really good friend's wife. And my biological mom was there, who was a fucking social worker, and it's just a nightmare. Um, but I love her. She's not a nightmare, but she means well. Anyway, Anyway, because um, you never know who's listening.
6: <laughs> Nobody, nobody's listening. Give me a break. Nobody's listening. There's a ice castle and your biological mother are not listening. But maybe you will if you tell no, them. If you, t- if you tell them, they will. But otherwise, they're The funny now, thing like, is,
10: I I could probably get in real big trouble if the wrong person finds out I went to the ice castle. But that's neither here nor there. I'll put it in my, my whatever step it is, um, fucking. So they're all there, and I'm like, sweet. They're here, We're gonna sit down, and we're gonna talk about my drug problem, which needs to be discussed. And I'm glad they're here to talk about it. Well, it was really all about my drinking, and I had just bought a fucking thirty thirty pack of Old Mill. Had two beers out of it. And then they're like, "Well, we're concerned about your drinking." I'm like, "Fuck you, dude! Nobody said anything about my drinking. (laughs) That's
6: my special uh, drinking. Don't don't fuck with my drinking, right? Right?
10: Exactly." And then so then I turned to my girl because that's the that's the only one I'm concerned with. That you know, if because she never said anything about my drinking. I'm like, "Well," me and my mom were arguing big time, and I fucking turned to her and I said, "So." do you have a problem with my drinking? She's like, yes, I do. And I'm like, okay, well, that changes everything. Fuck, now I got to quit drinking. And so after they had left, fucking she dumps all the fucking old mill out. And she's like, you need to, my mom, she's like, you need to come help me do this. It's a part of letting go. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not going to dump out 30 fucking cans of beer. Mm. You do it. If you really, like, I'm, I, I don't have, I have no interest in that whatsoever. So you have to, it's part of letting go of your addiction. I said I'm not dumping out a fucking bunch of beer. You do it if you feel like you have to do it. So she did and then for the last, the next like 3 or 4 days I was I was pissed about it. Yeah. And I was also scared <laughs> because I didn't, you know, I didn't know fucking uh I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to quit drinking.
6: Right. But uh, or how you how, so could, how I, could you be happy without it?
10: Right. So I did the only thing I knew what to do was I fucking went to an AA meeting and I've been going ever since.
6: Well, it's funny cuz you you know a lot about recovery. You know, you're in this group, yes. you've bit you've listened to this show, you've been to prison, you've been to meetings, you've been to jail. You know, you know a shit ton of recovering addicts. You know you you what was the program that you were into again?
10: Rational recovery.
6: Rational recovery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ra- whatever happened to rational recovery are you still looking at that book i or still no? I, I still use rational recovery every day avrt dude send me some rational recovery tidbits because we'll put them in the show can you share any dude, what, what's a good rational recovery tidbit you can share right now
10: avrt is what it's all about what addictive is that voice recognition it's addictive voice recognition technique so it's they teach you how to recover without a higher power. They teach you how to recover without uh, a group setting. So it's it's basically for people who who AA doesn't work for. Like, I can't do this higher power thing. I hate going to meetings. Like, no, this, this shit don't make sense.
6: So what's, um, the, what's but, the workaround?
10: So the work is you identify, like, say, if you have a craving to use, that's your addictive voice talking, and the trick is you have to identify it as an entity, give it a name. A lot of people call it the beast. Um, my beast's name is Robert Beasley the
6: Third. Your beast is called.
2: <laughs>
10: no, yeah, yeah, no, yes, I choose definitely. to call my beast. Yeah, well, there's a funny. We used to call the fucking the voice on the uh, on the GPS. She was so fucking annoying. So when you identify it as an entity and you tell like say you have a craving to use like oh shut up beast blah 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 and it the craving goes away you got to use it every fucking day you know you got to you got to learn to identify that shit right and that that works for me also some shit in 12 step works for me so i do what they say is i take what i like and leave the rest so i use a little bit of everything
6: well listen. basically
10: i just go to a to get my coins
6: well, that's fine, and also to and to and to, and to talk to people, right? And to see yes, people—that's
10: no, very helpful,
6: you know. And yes, I know there's very... there's a shit ton of folk, uh, in our world that want to talk to you. You know, I was talking to uh, Annie Ellie in England this morning, and she was like, "Oh, I can't wait to hear Matt on the show."
1: Oh, I
6: love her, Annie Ellie. She's like, oh, I cannot wait to hear Matthew on the show and how he fucks a, everything up. <laughs> She's an absolute dreamboat. And uh, and fucking Professor Buck Dowd calls you the Iowa Smoke Show, as you know. Uh, you're very well loved by men and women, and you should don't talk to the women, just talk to the men, and uh, <laughs> and fucking st- and and be in it, man. We need you. You know, I'm so happy you did this. Selfishly happy. You know, maybe you'll listen. But you'll definitely be in the community, and maybe you'll you'll talk to me again, which would be great.
10: Well, I I love talking to you, but you never respond. So that's because
6: when you came to that. So first of all, I've never not responded. (laughs) Have I ever? Have I ever not responded? Honestly,
10: I'm just trying to make you look bad. I've never. No, seriously. Let's be
6: let's be straight up. Have I ever not responded?
10: I mean, I don't know. I'd have to go look through my texts. Maybe not as promptly as you might
6: have wanted. Um, <laughs>
10: yeah, not not as not as promptly as I needed you to. Yeah, respond maybe to not
6: as promptly as you wanted, but I always respond. I, maybe I don't. Who knows? It doesn't matter. My point is, right. I'm glad you're doing good, and I'm glad to talk to you now. And I want to know before we go, what are you going to do for Christmas?
10: Uh, it's my son's first Christmas, so we are looking very much forward to that. Um, we're going to take it easy. We're not going to rush over to anybody's houses. We have plenty of time to get to where we need to go. We're going to take it slow and, uh, yeah, and we're going to enjoy ourselves.
6: And before you go, can you think of any horrible dopey story from the last many years of you on and off using and drinking that you might want to share? Mm, I'm sure no. you have. I'm sure you have a horrible one. I'm sure, you do. I
10: probably do, but spot. <laughs> I've already told the cockroach story.
6: Think about it and, uh, and send it in. And, uh, I love you and I'm glad you're doing good. You sound great.
10: Well, thank you. You sound great too, Dave.
6: Do you want to tell me you love me too, Matthew?
10: I love you too, buddy. Thanks, man.
6: All right, man. Uh, be, be fucking in touch, man. Uh, and you know what I'm saying? Seriously. Can you seriously be in touch?
10: I definitely can. And can I ask you something off the record when we're done?
6: Yeah, we'll stop right now. Say goodbye to the Dopey Nation. Wish the Dopey Nation Merry Christmas.
10: Merry fucking Christmas, Dopey Nation.
6: Call me! All right, so that's the return of Matthew Wiedermeyer Carroll. And I have to tell you, I'm sure you're all dying to know what he wanted to ask me about off the record. And I, ex- I don't know what I expected, but what he asked me about, he's like, he's like, all right, Dave, tell me what really happened at 9-11. And I'm like, dude... Everything that I knew about 9-11, I told many times on the show. And it's just funny that he thought I had had been holding something back about 9-11. Matthew's obsessed with 9-11 and the political state of the world. And I say, if you're obsessed with the political state of the world, this is my piece of advice to Matthew and any of the dopes who care to listen to me. Don't think about that shit. Just put your recovery first. Take care of yourself. This is not a a political movement. I want to tell another quick story, interesting, along these lines. I know a lot of you who listen to the show know that I've been doing this app from couch to 5K. I've been leaving my AA meeting with this guy, Doug, and we go running. I did it today. We're we're up to five-minute running intervals. And Doug decides to ask this other guy, Bernie, to come running with us. And we're running. And Bernie's such a Trump guy. And he's sure that I'm such a a loony lefty, he calls me. And whenever I'm just like, maybe, you know, maybe I, I don't really like either of the, the op- options, you know, like it's too bad we don't have anybody else. He's like, Trump's the best. And, and eventually I got him to agree to not talk about politics at all, because to be honest, I really don't care. I think it's all horrible. And I personally love to put my recovery first. But so then at the same time, we've been in this weird, like, do they put fentanyl in weed moment in Dopey Nation and Dopey Social Media and sometimes on the show. And... I, I, You know, we've been talking to a lot of people, and I came to the conclusion, so I put up a Twitter tweet, and I said, it seems to me that stoners and junkies think we do not put fentanyl in weed, that nobody puts fentanyl in weed, whereas healthcare professionals and junkies' parents, or I said ad- parents of addicts, do believe it. And And Tracy Helton, who's a big-time recovery advocate tag some fucking doctor on the Twitter thread who has a 100,000 followers, and they all start bashing me that I'm anti-addict and that I'm this right-wing crazy person because I referred to addicts as junkies and stoners, and it's like, you fucking suck. The world sucks. The political world suck. Everybody wants to bash everybody. And I say we addicts, junkies, stoners, alcoholics, sober curious, California sobers, we should stick together. It's like, let's just stick together. Let love let love conquer all. And I loved hearing from Matthew. That's my anti-political stance. I, of course, haven't voted since 1992. And I'm going to leave it there. I want to keep politics out of dopey. And I'm sure you guys want to hear from more dopes in the Dopey Nation. So here's some more dopes.
11: Hi, Dave. Hi, Dopey Nation. It's Annie Ellie and a fine winter cold here recording this message. And what another amazing year it's been for Dopey. Dave is still pumping out the podcast week in, week out. Mad props, Dave. The Wicked Fire event that was dopey Con IV happened in New York City in October and Dave has even found time to add sober buddy meetings into the mix. For me, it's been another year of dopes in the wild with dopes from near and far arriving in my corner of merry old England, ready and raring to dopey slap the place up. I'm looking forward to meeting even more of you in 2024. So, whatever you celebrate and whatever you're doing, be safe. Have a wonderful Christmas, Hanukkah, Festivus, or holiday. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris, fucking toodles for Hot Wheels, fucking toodles for Colleen, and everyone else we've lost along the way. Peace out.
10: Hey, Dr. Drew here, and I want to wish everyone at Dopey Nation a wonderful holiday season. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. We can do better in 2024.
6: I love hearing from Annie Ellie and Dr. Drew. I love Annie Ellie writing her shit out. She's like, and I love how she says, Colleen. And I miss Colleen. And obviously another gut punch. Toodles for everybody we lost. Love to hear from Dr. Drew. Love that Dr. Drew is such a, an important voice on our show and he believes in our show. And his daughter, the great Paulina Pinsky, is celebrating two years, and for the honor, she sent in a dopey story, a recovery story. So here she is, Paulina Pinsky.
12: Happy holidays, Dopey Nation. It's Paulina, Paulina Pinsky. Uh, I'm definitely an alcoholic and an addict, and today I have two years sober because I could not make it through Christmas of 2021. Uh, so if you also bottomed out before Christmas and New Year's, um, I'm, I'm honored to, to, to belong to the tribe of us, us who couldn't make it through the new year. So didn't make it to dry January. Uh, now I just lived dry January. Um, Dave fucking love everything that you do. I'm so thankful that you created Dopey and truly this podcast is such an instrumental part of my sobriety and I thought I would share with you. Uh, my first 12-step meeting experience in person um, just because it's funny and it also is Christmas adjacent. So I hit rock bottom probably, it was a three-day uh, extravaganza from 12, probably 18 or 19th till I landed at home in the 20th. Um, I was in a car with my ex-fiancee driving from new york to new orleans to spend christmas with his family we decided we were going to do a sober christmas and so we were both uh withdrawing from thc uh which made him incredibly psychotic and so that culminated in me having a panic attack in alabama gas station where i fell to my knees and you know saw a bloody tampon and projectile mcnuggets and shat my brains out Um, so that was, that was, um, that was my moment of clarity where I was like, maybe this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And so I emergency flight home, flew home. Um, sorry, I don't know how to speak English anymore. Um, I emergency flew home and landed in an LAX on November 20th, the 21st. I had my final glass of Chablis, uh, at my mom's birthday dinner. And the 22nd was my first true day sobriety. And I my dad suggested that I check out a meeting and so it was planned that my first in-person meeting was going to be in West Hollywood. They were having a 24-hour marathon and instead of going and celebrating Christmas Eve with my family, I was going to a meeting. I was incredibly volatile, like actively dissociating all the time, quick to tears, like very much traumatized and withdrawing from a lot of THC in my system. And so, um, the night I was supposed to go to the meeting, my family was going to a Christmas Eve party at Adam Carolla's house, and I felt that they hadn't said goodbye to me. And so when they were pulling out of the garage, I recognized that they were leaving. I was like, I was just so, I became like an infant. Like I, being left alone was terrifying. And so I ran to the garage and slammed both hands on the hood of my mom's car. I was like, you left without saying goodbye. And they stopped the car and my dad came out and was like, goodbye, we'll see you later, go to your meeting, we love you, and so I drove my mom's, you know, 2001 Lexus SUV that she had shuttled me to figure skating practice to throughout the duration of my career um, to West Hollywood, and on the way, I'm gripping the steering wheel, I'm I'm sobbing and feeling divine signs and everything, and driving by, you know, forest lawn where my grandparents are buried, and just, grandma, grandpa, I love, you know, all this crazy shit, but I get to the log cabin and I walk into a full room and I felt a sense of ease and belonging that I had never felt in my life before. Um, I've never really belonged to a group of friends. I always like collect one friend from each phase of life, but I understood in that room that everybody understood how I felt and what it was like. And that was the moment in which I never turned back. I understood that, life was different and that what I wanted was in that room. So if you're, if you're hitting rock bottom around Christmas, congratulations. Your sobriety is a precious gift. It doesn't matter when you hit it, just stick with it. Um, you belong here, you belong with Dopey Nation and man, like being sober is awesome. I just, I feel like I'm finally myself and I'm not running away from who I've always been. So Happy holidays. Love you, Dave. Toodles to Chris. Keep it up. 24 hours more.
6: That's Paulina Pinsky. Two Pinskys for the price of one. Well, no price. Free. Two Pinskys for free. I love Paulina's story. I didn't have it like that. When I first went in, I did not feel any kind of sense of relief or belonging. It took me so many times, but eventually you get there. You just have to, it's like what Matt said. You got to keep going until you like it. And the person I heard that say that first, and I wonder if that's who Matt heard say it first, was this woman, Courtney, who is friends with Chris. And she said it, I think she said it on the show. And she also had predicted that Todd was going to die. So I think if you are a hardcore dopey listener, you know these stories. And obviously you don't need to go to 12-step. You don't need to learn to love 12-step. But you gotta do something. It's very, very hard to be sober and not do something. It's hard to not do drugs and not do something. So I suggest doing something. We've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. I I suggest trying something. I wonder if Hank Azaria could do that voice. Who knows? Here's some more some more dopes. Dopes of the nation. Yo, dopey nation, what's up?
7: It's Travis in Phoenix. Just wanted to wish um all of my fellow dopes a very, very, very Merry Christmas and an amazing new year to come. Um, For those of you that are hurting, just know that uh, you're not alone and my thoughts and prayers are with you. And for those of you who are experiencing their first holiday season sober, just know that uh, It does get better. Just keep making that next right decision. All right. Well, that's all I got. Love you, Dave. Love you, Dopey Nation. Fucking toodles.
4: Hi, Dave. Hi, Dopey Nation. This is Martina, and I'm coming to you from Dreamwood Farms in Chester County, Pennsylvania. I wanted to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. I hope your holiday is filled with joy and laughter. And if you're feeling lonely or sad, come join the Dopey Clubhouse. There's a Christmas marathon meeting going on all day long. That's been one of my favorite discoveries this year, the Dopey Zooms. I've met some wonderful people in there and I'm so grateful for those friendships and for those meetings. It's It's kind of an amazing community. So check it out if you haven't already or if you need a break from the insanity that comes with the holidays. So this year has been a big one for me. I've made a lot of changes in my life since I've gotten sober and I am really proud of myself. I wanted to celebrate that and I bought myself a Christmas present, um, a, a ring, and I was going to engrave it. But I'm thinking about this superstition that I've heard of, and I'm wondering if anybody else has, uh, that putting your sobriety date on anything, like tattooing it especially, is a bad luck omen. And that you're not supposed to do it, that it might... uh, bring on a relapse maybe i'm not exactly sure what the superstition is but just that you're not supposed to do it has anybody else heard of this do you believe it i kind of think it's bullshit but i'm also superstitious so i opted not to engrave knowing i could later uh what are your thoughts dopey nation do we tattoo our sobriety dates on ourselves do we engrave them do we celebrate them do we memorialize them or do we know that uh You know, the only thing we have is today, and that date didn't really matter that much. Um, Curious your thoughts. Okay, Dopey Nation, stay strong and uh, fucking toodles for Chris.
6: I think the most effective date should be under the serenity prayer tattooed on your bicep or under a dopey head. Those dates are good luck. Now, seriously, what is your opinion, Dopey Nation, Email us at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Sobriety dates, yay or nay? I want to know. I want to know what you guys think. And another person in our community who's been around these Wednesday meetings, she was friends with hippie hobo Andrew who died many years ago. He was our intern. Her name is Dove. She, She claims to also not be a hippie. And I've I've wanted to hear a bunch of her story for a while and we got a chance to hear her story for this very, very dopey Christmas. Here is Dove. When did you start listening to the show?
13: Um, a little over a year ago.
6: So I'm with over that's it.
13: Yeah, it was when I heard Andrew on the show. It was when I emailed you initially. Oh, remember yeah. my long, obnoxious email? I think it was in October or November of last year.
6: I don't remember it being long and obnoxious. You
13: said it was too long on the episode.
6: <laughs> well, all right. That sounds right. It sounds like me. So, and and just to clarif- clarify stuff for Dopey Nation, this is Dove. Andrew was, his last name was Cohen. He was the hippie hobo who was a dopey intern who tragically died the day after he started his internship. And uh, I heard about it from his dad riding the Long Island Railroad home the day after I'd met with him. And you knew Andrew in college.
13: Yeah, Andrew was one of my first friends at Reed College, which is like a little wacky, ritzy, private liberal arts school, not so different from where you went to college. But I completely ran- I went to public
6: school in New York.
13: Yeah, but you went to SUNY Purchase. It's like the fancy hipster art school where people probably do a lot of drugs.
6: That was where I first did heroin.
13: Yeah. <laughs> well, Reed is where I first did heroin. But I I didn't know that Andrew had been interviewed on Dopey. I was actually in Oklahoma on a fire assignment just scrolling through episodes of Dopey because I was searching for information about Ibogaine because I had decided that I was going to go to an Ibogaine clinic. And I saw the words hippie hobo Andrew, like, in one of the descriptions of the episode. And I was like, that is really weird because... I had, you know, a really close friend named Andrew who could totally be described as a hippie hobo. And then I clicked on the episode and I heard my friend Andrew's voice.
6: Tell us about the ibogaine experience. Uh, How long had you been doing heroin?
13: I did heroin like off and on for the four years that I was at Reed. I don't think I ever picked up a daily habit for longer than like five or six months enough to you know, feel really shitty when I stopped, but I wasn't an IV user. I only shot it a couple times.
6: So you were an IV user.
13: Well, I was mainly. People who mainly don't
6: I shoot it aren't are IV users. I, I only People shot who it shoot a it a couple are times. IV users.
13: I mainly smoked it off of aluminum foil. Like, yeah. You know.
6: I, I didn't. I, and did you. Was it mostly tar?
13: Yes, because I was in Portland. So it was it was black tar.
6: Do they have any other color tar out in Portland? Is there red tar, brown,
13: white?
6: <laughs> do they have do they have other tars besides <laughs> no, black tar? No, it was yeah. And so you would smoke it off of foil with the with the straw. What yeah. was the, what was the technique?
13: I think that I rolled up a, a you know dollar bill like you would snort cocaine with.
6: And you put that in your mouth.
13: Yeah.
6: Um. And how long did you do heroin for?
13: It was like it was off and on. I actually I used heroin when I was in Ecuador. Also, I studied abroad in Ecuador, and I would yeah went to really dangerous parts of quito that no little white girl should ever go to and bought it from this guy who told me that he was buying it in the prisons down there and that was like a white powder which is the form that it was also in when i got it in new york
6: wow so you would buy do you think they grew it in ecuador
13: grew heroin
6: grew the poppies because i know (laughs) they grow poppies Mm. i know that they switched production to colombia and at post coke I don't know. And Mexico.
13: I don't know. I wonder how... were from South America.
6: Or... I'm very interested in the yeah. South American poppy fields. So so how long were you doing it?
13: In Ecuador, about four or five months. The I mean, basically the entire time I was there, there was a period of like two weeks where I went on a little backpacking trip around the country, and I tried to quit it then, and then I just ended up going through withdrawal and like nasty Ecuadorian hostels and like... I just remember like spiders crawling on the ceiling and like sweating and I didn't speak the language as anyone else and trying to drink my way through it and yeah it was just completely miserable. I actually remember I went to this farm that I had this weird connection to that yeah you couldn't even get there by road. I hiked out to it and I was you know kind of at the end tail end of like going through withdrawal and I there was this library at the farm that all these, like, woofers were at. Like, have you ever heard of woofing? Like, people go to work on organic farms and they... So you when you work on an
6: organic farm, you are woofing.
13: Yeah, woofing. It's, like, worldwide organic something farming. Did but you see pay- how
6: Modest Yahoo said spanging or spain... spain... spain spanging? What's the expression? No. Oh, you're not really a hippie. I forgot. <laughs> Spare changing... spanging. Is, it's, no. like, it's like... You you do music to get money. Oh,
13: like busking. Yeah, but they okay. they
6: call it spanging. Okay. I've
13: never heard that before. But at this farm, I just remember in the library I came across this copy of uh, Junkie by William Burroughs, and I read it there for the first time.
6: I feel like th- th- he goes to Mexico in that one, right?
13: I don't remember. Honestly, yeah, I don't remember the book very well. I just remember sitting down with it one afternoon and busting through the whole thing.
6: Did you use straight through in Ecuador?
13: For the most part, yeah. And that's actually the first place I developed a, like, cocaine problem for the first time. Um, The only time that I used, like, a stimulant like that daily. I mean, I had a really bad Adderall problem, but...
6: You were doing Adderall, too.
13: Yeah. I honestly always preferred Adderall to cocaine.
6: So, what brought you to the Ibogaine?
13: I... When I stopped using heroin um after I graduated from Reed I was off everything for a little while I mean I was drinking and smoking weed but then I got hit by a car on my bike in Vermont in northern Vermont
6: you just live in all the hippie hubs (laughs)
13: yeah exactly
6: Ecuador Oregon Oregon, Vermont Vermont, Ecuador
13: Asheville North Carolina Um, and
6: you claim to not be a hippie
13: I am not I'm really not so why do
6: you go to all the hippie hubs
13: I don't know. It's just where I end up. I mean, I like being outside. Like, I end up being friends with a lot of hippies, but I myself am not a hippie. So,
6: what makes you not a hippie? I. You don't like peace and love?
13: Yeah, exactly.
6: You don't? (laughs) Would you say you're a fan of peace and love or not? (laughs)
13: Of course, I love peace and love as much as the next. And person. outdoors, but I'm not. I mean, I hate. It
6: sound, It sounds like you're a hippie. You love peace, love outdoor. Not, you lived in Vermont, Portland, fucking <laughs> Asheville, whatever you live.
13: I don't like reggae music very much.
6: That doesn't doesn't matter. the 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 the, the hallmarks of hippie. I don't dung.
13: like festivals. I hate fish. It's
6: fine. Uh, I'm more
13: conservative than you might think. It
6: seems like you're a hippie to me. <laughs> but so what? What brought you to the ibu?
13: So, okay, I got hit by a car on my bike, I got prescribed a bunch of Percocet, and all of a sudden I was off to the races using opiates again. When they stopped refilling my script, I started using Kratom. And that was just, you know, the beginning of, like, eight to nine years of daily use of the same drug, which was, like, that was the hole that I, like, never climbed out of, basically. You know, I started lying to people, I, I about the kratom. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't I wasn't even honest with myself about it. I knew that I wasn't clean. I knew what I was doing was getting me high. I knew that it was, you know, I was becoming dependent on it. Like it just doesn't feel good to need to use anything every day.
6: But how did it lead to Ibogaine?
13: I just got so I guess the summer before the fall that I decided to go to Ibogaine treatment, I moved to a place where Kratom was available in extracts, which I always knew if I... Was it Moran County? No, no, it was Flathead County in Montana. And so I... Yeah, they just, like, there are some places in the country where Kratom is available in very powerful extracts at gas stations. And I always knew that if, if it was just at my fingertips like that, I wouldn't be able to stop using it. And that was, like, you know, you can use kratom in powder form which I wouldn't say it's innocuous but compared to the extracts it's just like it's like a whole different animal the extracts feel like taking a hard opiate like period the the powder it's a little more mellow it's still like not good for you it still gets you high but like I started taking the extracts I started binging on Adderall like a relationship that I had been in ended and I was were I have worked as a wildland firefighter for five years Hipp- a
6: very hippie sounding job also,
13: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of guys that work on wildland fire crews who are about as far from hippies as you can get, but that's the thing about that job. It's just like misfits of society. There's like lots of like down home boys and there's lots of granola crunchers, too. so
6: you went for the eyeball game for the extracts,
13: yeah, I, well, I just got to a point where i was I was absolutely miserable. I could not stop. I was spending hundreds of dollars a day on these extracts because they're like twenty dollars a pop.
6: I also think it's pronounced extracts
13: fuck you. It's pronounced however I want to pronounce it. And uh yeah, so I like I didn't want to go to traditional treatment. I'd quit before. I'd quit before for like 30. I think the longest I ever got was about 6 weeks. Usually it was like using other things, you know, like drinking and like replacement. But I, I knew that I could quit for 30 days. So I was like traditional talk therapy and like traditional treatment. Like that's not what I need. I need something that is going to change me on a cellular level.
6: You didn't want to go to treatment.
13: <laughs> I just didn't think that it would work. I didn't want to waste a bunch of money on something where I knew like the issue for me is like five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks in. And like I'm already going to be out of treatment at that point. So like I wanted something that was was going to be more dramatic than that. That was going to be like a spiritual experience, or and and that like would especially one with brain. with
6: a hallucinogen attached <laughs> oh to it. Oh
13: my God, you are so. I'm just an, uh, no, I'm, I'm
6: enjoying. I'm enjoying. I'm just playing. <laughs> so where did you go to do the I'm again?
13: I went to Cancun to a clinic called Beyond, and also I will just say the hallucinogenic experience is not, it's not pleasant. Like, with Ibogaine, you're pretty much guaranteed a bad trip.
6: Like, I took Ibogaine.
13: I know, I remember. You, there was, like, the alien that you talked to that you thought wasn't cool. I feel like if you had listened to him, uh, if you had listened to what the alien had to say,
6: listen, things, but you
13: weren't ready. I you
6: wasn't ready. ready. So, So So you. So it was called Beyond. Were, do hippies run it?
13: No, no. Some, um, oh, well, I don't want to say anything bad about them. They're wonderful. But some, like, Rich white people from California. <laughs> <laughs>
6: non hippies though.
13: Not not really hippies. No, one of them is actually you know I think was a very successful like venture capitalist or like businessman sort of character. You know, and they're really wonderful people, um, but not hippies. So right. how long
6: do you stay there? Ten days. And how long do you trip for?
13: For me, I was in you know when when you do I begin. I was like in a hospital bed with an IV in my arm. I had like an eye mask on, headphones on, and I was in there for like eight to 10 hours after, then I started, you know, it started wearing off, the visual part of it sort of ended. Although I didn't have a very strong visionary experience. I really didn't see much. I just kind of had like, imagine imagination like right it my was experience all,
6: like, was all in my head
13: yeah exactly it was like dream like yeah you know and, 100%. But i was out of control of like what i was thinking about and what i was imagining me too um but some people like have these visionary experiences where they're like it felt like i they was in decisions. the same room with someone like like very powerful my, like,
6: my experience was total dream yeah total like yeah but i was i i, I was elsewhere you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. i went somewhere For sure. and I remember leaving because I was on the floor of my apartment and my foot was up against my piano leg and I was aware that my foot was against the piano leg, but then I felt my body spinning and then I came to like in the desert.
13: Yeah, I, that's funny that you say spinning because like when it kicked in The first thing I felt was like, well, the first thing I felt really was like something was massaging me. Like I felt hands like moving down my body, like it was warming me up, kind of squeezing me and tingling. And then it started shaking me like violently. It felt like something took me by the shoulders and was like shaking me. And like my head was flopping back and forth on my neck. And the only way, like, it felt like it was shaking the bullshit out of me. Like, I could feel stuff flying out of my head. And then I started spinning, like a slingshot, you know? Like, it was so, like, the most out-of-control spins you've ever had. Like, And it felt like whatever bullshit was, like, left in my body, like, went out to the ends of my body and was, like, shooting out. And that's when, like, the vision started, you know, after that, like, slingshot, like, centrifugal experience.
6: How long was the, was the trip for?
13: The visionary part of it was like 8 to 10 hours. And then I went back to my room. And is centrifugal a word? Yeah, <laughs> it yes.
6: centrifugal or centri- centrifugal?
13: Centrifugal. Centripetal is a word. Anyway, sorry. Um, I went back to my room. And that night, I was awake all night. And I, I literally I felt like a newborn baby. And I would say the whole experience was like 30 hours. Because for a full day or two after that... I felt... First, I felt like a newborn baby. I was just squirming and I could not stop smiling. And it felt like the first time I had smiled in, like, 10 years and really meant it. I mean, I just, like, I felt like a child. Do
6: you remember any epiphanies you had during the trip? Oh,
13: my God. So many. I mean, I... that, That was, like, my experience of that night was just epiphany after epiphany after epiphany of, like, about myself. You know, like, I realized... I I realized a lot of things actually about my relationship with my parents um, because I had been very like distant from them and I realized that I was distancing myself from them because I love them so much and like my distancing myself from them was something I'd really beat myself up about because I was like god they love me so much like why am I such an asshole to them like why do I not call them as much as I should and I realized it was because I was afraid that I was going to hurt them and I loved them, you know, and and it, I realized that it was so hard because for you me. knew you
6: weren't going to do the right thing. So you were protecting them. Exactly. From
13: exactly. And I also knew that suddenly realized that, like, it's so difficult for me to be around them because they are the people that love me the most in the universe. And I felt like I didn't deserve that love, like because I w- had been lying to them and I had been using. And I, I just deep down felt like I am such a shitty person, you know, and I had. It One of the things that came out of it was, like, so many things I knew rationally or I had tried to know. Like, this isn't my fault. I'm not a bad person. All of a sudden, I, like, knew those things. It sounds so cheesy, but I, like, knew them in my heart. You knew you what? You know? That, like, I'm not a bad person. This isn't my fault. Like, I deserve compassion, too.
6: Right. Right. So then you stay there for another five days?
13: Yeah so that was well six days that was on day four and then I did a booster dose a few days later.
6: Wow what was the booster dose like?
13: It was not I mean not nearly as strong obviously as like a visionary experience but it just kind of like I had had this big afterglow from the Ibogaine that was starting to fade and it kind of like gave me that back for a little while longer but I, I will say there is an afterglow from Ibogaine That can be a little deceptive, you know. Because for a few months after that, I felt I was the happiest I've ever been in my life, and because you know, so it was like psychedelic pink cloud. Exactly, but it was also a sobriety pink cloud because I wasn't using, you know. So it was like partly from the Ivy game, partly from not using, partly because I went to a new city. I went to Asheville and I started going to meetings, and I just felt incredible, and I felt like anything was possible. I left my career as a wildland firefighter. I just, you know, I felt like a little kid sort of in a lot of ways still. I was like, I can do anything, you know? And then that gradually started to fade and I started to feel depressed again. And that's when I kind of started flirting with using again.
6: What was, talk about the the transition between the good time and the not good time.
13: Well. Because you went
6: from flirting with using to using.
13: Right i just think that yeah the more that i flirted with using the more the less hopeful i became you know i started what was footage like...
6: flirting with using look like it's like using
13: <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a lot I, like using. I, I, <laughs> I will say that there have been like a lot of times when, like being totally honest with myself i've had to realize that like even when I've been honest with my sponsor or you or like people in my recovery community about me using I always play it off as if it's much less than what it actually is you know what I mean I'll be like I used a few times but it's like it's never just a few times it usually is yes some daily use and like less sober days than using days the irony
6: with with all that is like and I don't and I say this you know matter-of-factly, compassionately, whatever. When you say something like that, you're only fucking with yourself. because you're not Because you're not yeah. really fucking... Anybody else, it's like, okay, good deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, good deal.
13: I don't know what it is. It's just like this fear. It's I, like I lying just...
6: to your sponsor. It's like... It's really... It's like
13: lying to your therapist. <laughs> but it, But
6: either way, it's like there's no point it's like it's just like i mean i can see lying to your parents i can see lying to your your spouse or your partner lying to your children but when you're lying to your sponsor or your therapist it doesn't
13: make any sense
6: it's 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 something that needs to be examined yeah and i don't mean that to be harsh i mean it's like because that's like the
13: final like
6: curtain it's like what what am i trying to present here
13: right i think there's just this fear in me that like People are gonna stop loving me, and people are gonna leave, and they're gonna stop believing in me. Or and, and it's and also
6: like probably it's not that it's not that bad. I don't need to. It's protecting the drug. Like I'll tell them this, and maybe I'll believe it a little bit, and that's that's our statement. Right. So it's it's still manageable,
13: right? Yeah, absolutely.
6: So what's been going? That, and I that was what ten months ago.
13: Yeah, yeah, eleven months ago. Yeah, it was January. All right. Yeah, and, I mean, about a year ago. I had just thrown the rest of my kratom into the Bay of Conception in Baja, Mexico, because at the end of fire season, I drove to Baja and I detoxed in the bed of my truck on a beach in a remote fishing village.
6: That's what Anthony <laughs> Kiedis did. That's how What's he. That? He's the lead singer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh,
13: okay. I, was I think just in the in, a, the in a
6: Atlantic. in a remote fishing village he okay, detoxed. I wonder if it
13: was the same one. I
6: wonder if it was the bed of his truck. <laughs> So, wait, hold on. Why were you detoxing there?
13: Because I wanted to get clean before I went to the Ibogaine Clinic because I had read that if you are off drugs for a little while before Ibogaine, you're probably going to be more successful and have a better experience. So I was like, I want to get 30 days. And I had detoxed in Mexico the same way the year before.
6: (laughs) Did you live in that fishing village in your truck for 30 days?
13: No. Well, I was there for like two weeks.
6: Wow. What did you do?
13: Surfed and watched Breaking Bad again. Did you live in your
6: truck? Yeah. For two weeks?
13: Yeah. I've lived in my truck for two months. Who'd you hang out with there? Uh, One of my best friends from my first fire crew, my friend Rachel, like my fucking sister, who has seen me detox from drugs on fire assignments, like in the woods before. Yeah, she was there and she helped take care of me. You know who
6: lives in their trucks for many months at a time? Who? Hippies. (laughs) Whatever. So... It's been almost a year, and, and how has the year gone?
13: Um, I mean, it started out great. <laughs> I've learned a lot. I've been to a ton of meetings. Like, I was just saying to you, I've never... You know, I a year ago, I'd never been to a meeting before. I, uh, in a lot of ways... I think this stresses me out. If you look at my life now, I feel like I look less successful than I did a year ago. Because a year ago, I still had a career. I was on what's called a hotshot crew in the Wildland Fire World, which is like a very elite crew. And and now, you know, I've been on and off unemployed. I got fired from a waitressing job because because I, su- I suck at waitressing. <laughs> Yeah. I'm so bad at it I'm not good at hospitality But it just sucks when you're like Oh I got clean and like then I started getting Fired from jobs now I'm unemployed I And now I'm living With my parents which You know well, another thing I realized From the I begin like an epiphany I had about myself is I am always Like have a way of spinning a Story about how I'm doing that like Paints me as the worst person ever You know what I mean like my I'm living with my parents because my dad is sick and we just found out that he was sick and so to my parents they're just like you're an angel we can't believe you just dropped everything to move back with us and like spend time with your dad and help and like in my head I'm like god I'm 31 years old I'm living with my parents I'm unemployed like I'm just a fucking burnout like fuck me
6: no I I think like lots of people have described these processes like like the stock market and in reality it's like there are dips, but it's going up. You know yeah. what I mean? On the long on the on the bigger picture of it, you're doing stuff to work towards your recovery. You know, one of the greatest um phrases is, you know, we seek spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. Right. And like I think you are making progress. You it's not exactly where you want to be at this moment, but like who who is? You know what I mean? Like I mean I, I, I have so many ups and downs in my in my program i just you know the i i, I don't i won't use um and that's why I'm a better person than you are <laughs> <laughs>
13: well, a lot <laughs> fucking
6: no, died, I'm, just, dude. Ki- I'm just kidding i'm just <laughs> kidding. um it's like and I've said this to you before and i and i'll say it to you again I think if you do four things every day you won't realize You know, and I challenge you, and I've challenged you before. And and what are the four? I mean, that's like and and what
13: are the four things? Well,
6: Dove Dove has been very interested in twelve step recovery. So it's like these are things that I learned in twelve step recovery. Maybe if you're not in twelve step recovery, it's something you're not interested in doing. But the things that I learned that you do every day is you um, you pray in the morning. You and, and like it doesn't have to be you know your choice of your own higher power, whatever that is. You pray every morning. You go to 90 meetings in 90 days. You talk to three recovering drug addicts or alcoholics every day. And you call your sponsor every day. That's four things. That's it. And then once you do those things, then you work the 12 steps. That's five. And then you take... And then what they would say at my meeting is, are you praying? Are you going to meetings, you know, however many days a week that you think you should. And in the first 90, it's 90. Um... Are you making those phone calls? Are you working with the sponsor? And then once you've gone through, and then are you working the steps? And then once you've worked the steps, are you sponsoring somebody? Um, are you taking a part in your recovery? Are, do you have a commitment? And they say, if you're doing all those things, which is eight things, then the the, the chance of relapse is really, really reduced. And I find that to be pretty straight up. And people could be like, well, I don't like, praying and calling people. It's like, well, then your chances are less than, less than easy. It's an easy way to do it. Yeah. You know, it's not like, and. No,
13: it's cut and dry. It's, but it's also just, it's
6: straight up willingness. Right. You know, and it's like, I'm not willing to say, uh, help me today. (laughs) Universe, help me. It's like it's not a big thing. It's yeah. not like professing your love to Jesus or fucking saying <laughs> you're gonna eat a baby or something. It's saying, "Universe, help me today. Help me be less selfish and right. be more loving." There's this lunatic at my meeting. He's like, "All I need is more. Be more loving in my life." That's I'd say that in the morning. Yeah. Then you call three people. You've met so many people around this thing to yeah. call. You know, and, and you call your sponsor, who you have something with, but it's yeah. probably not as consistent as it should be. No, and then not. you, and then with the age of Zoom, even though you live in the boonies, you can be zooming every morning yeah. at eight thirty or whenever you get up.
13: Yeah, I can.
6: Well, I, I don't. You see, this is where we get to this place where I'm telling you what to do. No,
13: I need someone to tell me what to do. Well, <laughs> no, I'm like, please, I need more people around to tell me what to do. It's like
6: now that is a that is a pretty. Ironclad System And I I, in Dopey Nation If you're out there And you do all those things And you're relapsing Send an email to Dopeypodcasts At (laughs) gmail.com I don't think it's possible Unless you're a total liar You know I don't think it's possible To be doing all those things And relapsing Now this is our Christmas episode Do you want to share Anything Christmassy Oh gosh You
13: should have given me More time to prepare Oh you have plenty of time
6: (laughs) No If it was last year I
13: love Christmas
6: what do you love about Christmas?
13: It's just peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Warm and nostalgic, and I love Otis Redding's Christmas music. And yeah, there's just something about it that makes me feel warm inside.
6: Now, last Christmas, what were you doing?
13: I was, oh God, I was actually came home. I flew home from Mexico, and then I flew back to Mexico, and I was miserable. I was like a couple weeks clean, desperately trying to stay clean, and I was just on the couch, found an excuse that I was sick so I didn't have to go to our extended family thing because I was so fucking depressed. I just, yeah, it was, it and was then, a dark and time. It was
6: just before I began.
13: Yes, exactly.
6: Were you with your folks? Yeah. And you were not that pleasant to be around?
13: No, I was, oh, it was terrible.
6: Well, and then Christmas is, uh, this next, the end of the week. So what are you going to do for Christmas? Really? Yes. It's well, Saturday or brother, Sunday. It's Monday. Monday. My
13: brother's coming home from Taiwan, so I'm going to spend it with my family. And uh, I'm actually excited to see my extended family this year.
6: So that's great. Yeah. So that's a hopeful Christmas. And Definitely. And do you, are you going to take the, the challenge to do those things? I will. You're a liar. No, I will. No, a,
13: I will. She's a hippie liar. It's
6: ridiculous.
13: <laughs> Dave, I need yeah. you to believe All right.
6: me. I, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. Thank you, Dove. This has been incredibly compelling information. I think it's pretty... It's like... You you can do it. I do believe in you. You can do it. You just have to fucking do it. Yeah. It's very simple. And then you have to figure out, like, what do you actually want?
13: Right. I know. That's the thing. I don't... I'm so far away from knowing that because I've just been so clouded with drugs for so long. I don't even know who I am or what I like.
6: I know that I want to be the most physically fit I've ever been for 50. Oh, and yeah. yet... All I want to do is eat cookies and cake. I don't want to stop.
13: You've been doing your couch to five K. I know,
6: right? but I'm, but I'm, I, I'm eating cookies and cake. Well, you I, gotta
13: I, fuel that no, 5K somehow.
6: But it's not, it's what I, it's I, like, it's sorry like, I
13: brought you, cookies.
6: you can't do both. You can't, it's like, it's like you can't eat cookies and expect to be like in good shape. Yeah. I don't think, but maybe, I mean like, but then there's also like, I'm okay. It's like, I'm alright, it's yeah. it's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not the end of the world. But you can't be sober or you can't use and be like I wish I was sober yeah. kind of thing. I guess you yeah. can. But it's like it's like aligning what I would we
13: say do. You can eat cookies and but you can't sit on the couch all day and be like, I want to run a 5K, though. I don't know. But it's, I don't know.
6: I My experience is... It's probably
13: very hard for you to control your cookie eating. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I can't have just one cookie. No. One is too many. A thousand is never enough.
6: I know. It's really, really deep stuff. But anyway, thank you for, for coming on, Dove. And and Dove, Dove's helping out a bit with the show, and I appreciate your help.
13: Thanks, Dave. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Toodle.
6: That was Dove, and Dove actually shot me interviewing Modest Yahoo in a historic Dopey interview. Historic. Dove obviously has been struggling with Kratom for a while. If you are struggling with Kratom, they do a Dopey Nation Kratom Zoom meeting on Thursdays. Write in your Kratom experiences. Write in if you're struggling. Write in how you've gotten past it to DopeyPodcast at gmail dot com. And, uh, I hope this Christmas is great for you guys. Do you want to hear my schmaltzy? I'm going to tell you my schmaltzy Christmas story. My older daughter, Nora is sick. She just got the flu. So we're not going to go anywhere for Christmas, which I'm very excited about. It's going to be a down home, you know, long Island Christmas in our house with just us, which I like, I mean, my dad won't come. So that's sad. And I love Linda's family, too. But there's, there's a certain amount of pressure that is removed from us being here by ourselves. But when I drive Nora to school in the morning, there's this tree that we drive past. And I think it's some kind of very, very, very beautiful Japanese maple tree. And in the fall, in the late fall, the leaves turn ridiculously red, like the reddest leaves ever. And when they fall to the ground, the the ground it looks like it's uh, neon. It looks just so beautiful. It's 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 really an incredible tree. And I I kind of want to get a tree like that. But I know we had a tree like that, but it didn't get enough sun. It was not glorious like this tree. And every day I would drive Nora to school. I would be like, you know, that tree is going to be so red. And and I would annoy the fuck out of her. And she she didn't want to hear about it, you know. And and I every day we drive we'd be bickering about something and i'd be like look at the tree and she'd get annoyed at me and then eventually the, the tree turned red and, and and i would comment on it every day and then one day i was in the city working and nora texts me the leaves fell off the tree and i said do they look beautiful on the ground and she's like yes and she go, and i said are you sad that the that it's over and she said yes and i felt i felt a certain kind of like emotional feeling and I, whatever, I got on with it. And then one night I'm, I'm watching the Knicks or something and Nora's painting a picture and I get up to look at what she's painting and she's painting a picture of the tree and the red leaves are falling off the tree and it was my Christmas present and it was such an emotional moment. Even though I got to see the present before I should have, who cares, you know, it's a, it was it's a beautiful, beautiful thing and she'll all, we'll always have the tree. And that's my schmaltzy Christmas story. Now I have, this next piece is not gonna be schmaltzy. It's, it's me and Ray. I made Ray come walk around the city with me as I looked for presents for my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law. And I don't know why I made him do this, but this is me and Ray walking around the city. I'm on the street with Ray Brown. We're talking... What are you talking about? I'm still talking about Rob Zombie. What What consonants and vowels, though? Oh. Mick and Keith wrote with consonants and vowels. What does that mean?
1: Watch out. It's
6: a car. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> Ray, say... Tell the dopey nation what you asked me.
1: What did I... Oh, how did you survive? Because like, you don't look when you cross the street. I do look. No, but it's like... We need a consonant and a vowel. So when you're writing a song, we need a... G-B-D-O... That kind of thing
6: Give me an example
1: Dig to the ditches But burn. that's not
6: a Mick and Keith song
1: Oh, uh, um, like Brown Sugar How does Brown Sugar apply? Keith uh, broke that down Like we needed The next verse Needed to start with Like a B and a U So they went through all the words To find those words
6: You're a big Rolling Stone fan, right? I, uh,
1: I became one later in life, yeah What would you
6: say The song Brown Sugar is about?
1: It's, they've stopped playing it they don't play it anymore. That's because it's a it's woke it's about police. Slavery and having sex. It's about people who own slaves having sex with them. That's what it's about, the men and the women. So it's not about heroin. No, no, no. And it's and it's scarred, People think it's Scarlet Slaver, but it's Skydog Sky Skydog, which is that's Dwayne Almond. He's they saw that name on the register, on the roster at uh, uh, what's that place Muscle Shoals. It doesn't and say Skydog Slaver. That's what Nick is saying Skydog Slaver, because he was intrigued by the name. He was looking through the logs to see who had played. They didn't know who Dwayne Allman was. No, it's, it's. So, what's the lyric? Skydog Slaver, it's doing all right. Is that what they say? Yeah. And it oh. sounds like Scarred Old Slaver.
6: One time we were talking about black people and white people's penises. What? And you said that it's a stereotype that black people have larger penises than white people because white people tend to be growers. Yeah. Do you remember this conversation? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any comment? That's all true. (laughs) Can you break down that for me?
1: (laughs) No, that's just how it is.
6: See, you used to be way more willing to break stuff like that. Trust me.
1: Well, I don't know.
6: So you're saying black cocks are not generally larger than white?
1: What I'm saying is the reason... I, and I think they are slightly, but I think the reason is, in how about girth, right? <laughs> how about it? <laughs> no, it, you didn't see a man with an erection, you only saw a naked man. It's not every day you saw what happens. You know, you just saw how big it was, soft. What?
6: Hold this for a second. Say that again. I can't remember what you were talking about. Hard versus soft, oh, black yeah, versus yeah. white. Why do you suppose genetically? ...that white people grow and and black people do not. I was going to say blacks, but I figure that's too <laughs> <The racing>. Blacks.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a biologist. What about Jewish cock versus
6: Asian cock? I don't Red.
1: know. I don't know. Pakistani versus Indian I, 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 cock. I, 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 what do you prefer, a Pakistani <laughs> cock or an Indian cock? <laughs> I don't know. There's supposedly some mosque in Pakistan that's just like a big hub of gay sex. All Irish survival. cock or Scottish cock? <laughs> Both. Both. <laughs> so Irish
6: cock or Filipino cock? <laughs> I
1: don't
6: know. No comment? No comment. Is there any kind of Christmas story you'd like to tell? Because this is going to go in our Christmas episode, Oh, right? God. <laughs> no.
1: but what I thought you wanted me to talk about was when I worked on the farm oh yeah right that's don't, why don't... we met today. what do you mean <laughs> I thought that's what we... See, but
6: I, I thought you went to go Christmas shopping with <laughs> me
1: I had to look it up after I hung up with you and I'm like, I said my job was to get the babies as soon as they were born wait you were googling the Filipino
6: cocks uh, versus the I googled, Scottish
1: I googled, I googled why are calves taken away from the mother and it's so they won't form a bond and they'll forget they had a baby if they get it hold with...
6: up hold up let's stop we were, Me and Ray were on the phone the other day, and Ray said, Dave, do you know that I grew up on a farm? Yeah, I and like, I said, no. I like, and he said, Dave, do you know that I used to take baby cows and put them in a truck? I said, no.
1: <laughs> My job was to... I would see when the cow was about to give birth, and I would drive the truck into the field, like four by four, get the baby, tie it up, put it in the back of the truck, and take it back to the calf barn. So I googled, why is that done? It's because if they let the baby stay with the mother more than 24 hours the mother becomes attached and gets upset when they take it so that's why and they also they'll produce more milk that they will drink less the calves will drink less milk because i would uh i would wean them off of milk and get them onto grain so i did that at like three months but if they're staying with their mother they would continue to drink all that milk how long did you work on the farm right like a year any is there any strange
6: encounters with filipino farmers on the farm no but some of the guys that worked on they had sex with the they cows had sex with the animals yeah what would they prefer filipino sheep or a scottish <laughs> lamb
1: uh it was um the calves the babies
6: they like to fuck the babies yes. that's horrible do you think that the farmers put up notice that well, some farmers yeah. were watch out for the farmers they that fuck, would
1: fuck they fuck pigs also Baby pigs or adult pigs? I don't know. This is a hundred years ago. I just remember them telling me about it. Filipino hogs were preferable? These are like the teenage children of the men who worked on the dairy and lived nearby.
6: So do you miss the farm now that you're a big city uh,
1: slicker? It was great. It was great. But also I was telling you, like, I grew up on a dirt road. The closest house was a mile away. On my walk home from school, I would see foxes and deer and... That's it. And then I play in the woods. I always I, I say, you don't know how country I am. How country are you, Ray? I well, that's how country. I grew up in the woods on a dirt road. That's pretty country.
6: So, and the first person you had sex with was a child, farmer, or a teacher? What? <laughs> first sex, right?
1: It was the next door neighbor
6: boy. How old was he?
1: We were the same age. We were 11. And when was the
6: first time you got high, Ray? 14? So you were fucking the neighbor before you enjoyed the sweet, sweet, sweet
1: high. Yes.
6: So would you say sex was your first drug, Ray Brown?
1: Yeah.
6: Was there a washing machine
1: anywhere nearby, or did you do the laundry in your clothes as a boy? We had a washing machine.
6: Is your mother shocked and scandalized at the way you launder now? She doesn't know. Nobody tell her. Is
1: there anything? Can
6: you think of any uh, highfalutin drug-using Christmas stories
1: that you'd like to share? No, I don't have any Christmas drug stories. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty sure, I don't remember it. <laughs>
6: have you ever had any vacations to Southeast Asia, Ray? No. Have you ever used grinder in India, Ray? <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you grind with the Indian fellows? No. What it was did you still, find? It was, it
1: was still illegal when I when I was in India. So what did you do? I just looked at guys. Talk. were
6: there were there any look at this yeah. were there any successful hookups in india Ray? no no none
1: this is gonna be unlistenable
6: wait we can't use any of this stuff.
1: i can't can you see this thing say goodbye i don't have my gloves on. say goodbye to the dopey nation goodbye. thank you
6: i don't know why i don't know why i put that in the show i just wanted you guys to hear what me and ray walking around the city and talking sounds like and that's it and we walked up to this weird kind of art piece this interactive sculpture i'll put the video on patreon so check it out at patreon.com slash there's a few more messages from dopes before we go and i want to give quick shout outs to Aviza, who put in a, a voicemail at the front she made some amazing clips for us she's, she's picked out a bunch of great christmas clips and she has been just an incredibly helpful person to the show to me i want to give a big shout out to ben and to edward and here they are giving dopey messages
8: what's up dave what's up dopey nation this is ben croxton from birmingham alabama and i just want to wish everyone a happy holidays and just let everybody know uh how grateful i am to have had them in my life this year i appreciate everything you guys have done for me my dope's in the dopey zoom i love each and every one of you and uh Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Fucking Toodles for Chris.
2: Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas.
6: Fucking Toodles for Chris. Hey guys, it's Ed. Um, wishing everybody a happy holidays. Uh, I hope your holidays are uh, peaceful, happy, quiet, and safe. Um, if you're struggling, get connected. The holidays can absolutely suck. Uh, So get in touch with your fellow dopes and let's get through this together. Let's see everybody in 2024. Uh, Love you guys and uh, um, peace, love, and joy, everybody. Uh, Very grateful for all of you guys. Ed and Ben have been incredibly helpful in the new Dopey Podcast Facebook group, as has Lizanne and good old Dominic Baldini. Shout-out to those guys. Anybody that I'm forgetting, I apologize. Big shout-out to Claire. Fucking—I made such a huge shout-out to Dopey Reddit last week, and they didn't even notice. So why would I shout-out Dopey Reddit if they don't even notice? And what is a Dopey episode without Mick Popham sending in a Dopey message? So here's Mick. And Professor Beth Bubby from Ithaca sending one in. And Professor Beth Bubby also taught a class where she uses Dopey in the class, which is just incredible. She sent me this most beautiful Dopey mug. It's, it's so cool. We have it in a cabinet in our dining room. So super gratitude to Beth Bubby and to, of course, Mick Popham. And we're going to close out with a Dopey story from Celia and a message from painter extraordinaire John Bucati, who will be on the show again soon from Park City.
7: Hello, Dave.
10: Hello, Dopey Nation. It's Mick here. It is the season to be jolly. So I just want to wish everyone out there in the Dopey Nation all the best for the festive period. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals, and a dopey New Year, but not too dopey, obviously. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris.
5: What's up Dopey Nation? John Bucati wishing you guys a happy holidays. Stay light during these dark times. Stay connected, because the opposite of addiction is connection. Reach out to those who helped you get sober. Stay in touch with those you're helping Be of service when you're around your family. Know that nobody triggers you like your family triggers you. Don't forget the serenity prayer, meetings, halt, pause, naps, meditate, deep breaths. You know, all those things. Pack them up, bring them with you. Bring all your tools to your family functions or just don't go if that's what your t- your gut tells you. But stay connected and for God's sakes, be kind to yourself out there. Um, that's all I have to say to y'all. Have a wonderful holiday and thanks for letting me be a part of this wonderful tribe of misfits and outlaws. Love you.
14: Hello and Merry Christmas, Dopey Nation. It's Bubby, longtime friend of the show. I am a poly drug addict, but the thing I'm addicted to is alcohol. That's the big thing. I haven't had a drink in eight years. Uh, Listen, dopes, uh, this message goes out to all the children of the night. That's the name I have for brothers and sisters of mine uh, who endured a tough road At the hands of those you probably needed and trusted the most. I want you to know you're not alone at all this Christmas. And I'm learning myself that a party doesn't equal a healthy family. It doesn't equal a close-knit family. So if you're feeling like you're left out or you're missing out this year. And if you feel like you're missing out on all the things that life seemed to promise... You know, maybe other people just know life has also promised you an equal share of love. So, stay strong this holiday season, dopes. I don't have any crazy Christmas stories, but I can promise you, <clears throat> I can promise you, I'm going to get my uh, a close friend of mine to tell this awesome dopey story involving cocaine, a prostitute, and dragging a vacuum cleaner through the snow. (laughs) Ha ha ha, and ho ho, Merry Christmas, peeps, all my love, Um, and toodles for Chris.
8: Hey Dave, this is Celia, and I'm going to try and give you a dopey Christmas story. Uh, I was thinking about it, and I thought I didn't have any, and then I realized I might have a good one. Um, It is, I think, 1999 Christmas. I'm about 30, 31 years old, and I'm about to spend my first Christmas in California. I'd lived there about four years, and every year prior to that, I had gone back to New York for Christmas. But this was going to be the first year away from my uh, biological family and just doing family friends Christmas. So um, a couple of friends and I um, decided we were going to go up to Tahoe and go skiing. So Christmas Eve, I stayed at my friend Happy Jen's house and uh we get picked up in the morning by my friend uh adam and henry um and they're both jewish and have never celebrated christmas and we get in the car and we drive up to tahoe and we're having a lovely time and uh we're in tahoe and we're like about 20 30 minutes away from where we're gonna um planning to go skiing and we start to notice that there's no snow so we have to switch to plan b which was to go hiking so we found this spot which happened to be where they filmed the ponderosa the tv show i don't know i don't remember the name of it it's not called ponderosa and we take some liquid acid and we go hiking and we have a lovely time and we hike up 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 And it's just really awesome. And then as we're coming down back to the car, the sun's setting and like we had all forgotten we had taken acid and we just like witnessed the most beautiful sunset I've ever seen in my life. And then we get in the car and we're kind of hungry and we have to get some food and check into our hotel. So we go to this donut shop, which is the only thing open on Christmas day. And um, my buddy Adam and I are elected to go inside and communicate with the public, uh, which is really difficult, but better than having to drive, which my friend Happy Jen was doing. So I go in and we're waiting online, line. There's like six people in front of us and we're both kind of just melting down in the line and then we get to the front of the line and I just look at Adam, and I say I can't and I run out and um, we, uh, you know, I go back to the car and. He comes back to the car without any donuts. He he obviously couldn't either. So we find this diner, and we go to this diner. We go in as a team. We sit down. We make it through the meal, but they have these hula hoops, little kid, like whammo, hula hoops from the 50s in there. And for some reason, we decided to steal the hula hoops, which is a lovely Christmas Day thing to do. So we steal the hula hoops, and we go to our hotel, which is like the Hyatt in um, Tahoe or something. Really nice hotel. And we check in and it's weird because it's on the Nevada side. So there's a casino there. Um, And we're waiting for our room keys and uh, room to be ready. Or maybe we checked in already and we go down to the lobby and they have this like nice little Christmas scene going with a Christmas tree and a giant gingerbread house. And uh, while we were in our room, we decided to take some ecstasy. So we take some ecstasy and then we go down to the to the lobby casino area and we're sitting on this giant couch watching this Christmas tree by the fire with gingerbread men. And we're just kind of like melting into it. And it's super cozy and lovely. But behind us is the casino and this like cheesy 1980s band. So we have this like weird kind of lovely Christmas scene in front of us. And then like the four people melting on the couch, doing the backflip of acid and really good ecstasy. And then behind us is like the casino. Ding, 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 ding. And so that was my my, uh, very first Christmas um, away from family in California. Uh, So I don't know if that qualifies as a good dopey story, but it was really um, a good memory for me. Uh, Anyway, um, stay strong, dopey nation, and fucking toodles for Chris.
6: Thank you, Celia. Celia's been coming to our Wednesday meeting, too. Our Wednesday meeting at 9 is fucking getting to be pretty pretty robust. Thank you Celia and Mick and Professor Bubby who's been coming also. And there's going to be a bunch of bonus Patreon Christmas stuff from Christmas past, so check that out at patreon.com. If you're not a member of Patreon, you should come. There's Zooms, there's meetings, we're starting a book club, it's all sorts of shit on Patreon. Go to patreon.com/dopypodcast. Thank you to everybody. Crazy big shout to dopey producer editor Amelia, Claire, Ray Brown, Britta, everybody who's contributed. Thank you, you guys make the show what it is, and uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it. I love Dopey Nation. I love making the show. I love Christmas. So Merry Christmas, Dopey Nation. Stay strong to all of my brothers and sisters in and out of recovery. And fucking toodles I wanna take a
3: walk around the world I wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I wanna be good so bad I wanna be so good so bad so bad I wanna be good so bad bad desires all I ever had and I want to take a ride up in the sky watch this airplane just pass me by and I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive just to show all of these people what it means to be alive but I want to be good so bad want to be so good so bad so bad I want to be good so bad bad desire's all i ever had and my shadow's getting smaller and smaller and it's time to where i stand shadows getting smaller and smaller and it's time to where i stand and i wonder would they pay it any mind leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds because peace and love are very 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 hard to find and I want to be good so bad want to be good so bad so bad I want to be good so bad bad desires all I ever had Damn it all, these suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad and I want to call my dad. And it's all I ever had. 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 And these suckers make me mad and it's all I ever had. And I want to call my dad. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had.
1: And it's all I ever had.